All hail the South Shields Mateus. Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunt and Bugle, a podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Cal United Football Club. From Tony Gallimore to Paul Gorman and Tom Tyro to Ray Train, we've got it covered. This is episode 13 and we're going to be reviewing last weekend's excellent win at our promotion tips, Paul Vale, and look ahead to this weekend's CUFC derby against Colchester at Brunton Park. There will also be the usual general news roundup and a look at what X-Blues have been getting up to across the globe. For this episode, I'm joined by my regular co-host, Dan McLennan. Dan, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. Not bad, yeah. You, you picked those four names this week. It was in a bit of a hurry, weren't we? So yeah, just random to, names. <laughs> no connections for once, just random names. Names we like to hear all the time. Um, yeah, I haven't got really of general crack league because we've just done a special episode yesterday, didn't we? On a yeah. Project Big Picture, uh, which and, is uh, changing it, by it, the minute. I was <laughs> just going to say it's changing by the minute just as we've started recording here. I've just read a tweet that apparently the EFL are going to knock back the, uh, was it the 50 million for League One and Two? Yeah, well, people will have probably heard our special episode by now, uh, by the time they listen to this. Um, what we did actually say in the uh, special episode was that um, there may be a bit of caution there because it's talk about it being grants and interest-free loans rather than a you know donation as sort of like, we're going to help you out here. So there must have been caveats on that, you know, you've got to pay it back by a certain time or something. Yeah, so, yeah. We've said this before that the money they've forwarded to the football league already is money we would have got in the future, and that causes a problem further down the line. So yeah, maybe you know, you're, just, you're just kicking the can down the road. Aren't exactly, you? exactly that. Anyway, that's enough of the uh, general uh, crack. So let's get down to business and straight away some uh, general Cal United news. So uh, we'll start off first instead of transfer this week. Let's talk about an injury, and it's uh, quite a big one, isn't it? Um, our loan signing from Preston North End, Ethan Walker, a winger, he's out until the new year dislocated shoulder by the sounds of things in that Sunderland game the uh, in the trophy we don't talk about real real sad news for the lad isn't it really because he yeah. really was selling well I was I was reading uh, the interview with him the other day and seemingly he's done his shoulder previously when he was a youth at Preston yeah yeah and this is the second time and it's one of those where if they don't operate now, it's only going to bother him throughout his career. Yeah. So and while it's undoubtedly bad news for us, it is it is the right thing for the lad, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Though It's the kind of injury you dislocate your shoulder as a winger. You're probably a little bit more at risk at because you you know defenders are going to be pulling you back as you're getting away and things yeah, like that. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but you know it, it, it's, it's bad news for him. Um, I suppose the discussion here is, do we get a replacement in? Because... He was sort of brought in as cover for Dickinson, really, wasn't yeah. he? And he, he, Dickinson's he, going to be back before him by the sounds of things now. So. Yeah, so I think if we do bring someone in, I think we'll just be looking to January only. So, what, three months? That's well, it, not even three months, is it? Beach has done his pre-match stuff today. We've only got little tidbits of it so far, but he mentions talking to players, not necessarily talking to clubs, so we'll be looking at free agency... Yeah, a bit you, desperate to find a club, and yeah, you can you can still sign a, a free agent after uh, five o'clock on Friday. 
Well, so. we, lo- we always love mentioning a former player as a Carlo fan, don't we? And uh, there's one player who can play out wide who's still looking for a club right now. It was, it was his last season, isn't there? Um, yes. Mr. Thomas. Thomas. So, yeah. I mean, it's whether he really wants to be coming in as a player knowing that he's almost cover for those humans. I think he wants to be the main man at the club, doesn't he? And if he comes to us, I mean, if he does well, then you've got him and Dickinson and you think, well, is that a bit of a you know luxury of riches, really? It's it, it's a difficult one. Um, I don't think he will come back, let's be brutally honest. I think no. he's aiming for a bit higher than us, but may have to drop his demand, I suppose, because Doncaster have already said no to him. So Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's the injury news covered. Um, international call-ups. So we'll look back at these two. So the lads who went out uh, on international duty. Marcus Dewhurst, he played the second half of England under-20s win over Wales. Josh Coyote, unfortunately, didn't feature at all for uh, Republic of Ireland in their, I think it was a 2-0 defeat, was it, to Italy in Euro Championship qualifying? Yeah. It's seemed not involved. Yeah, on your sub, I know uh, he seemed to have uh, settled well in training. There was, uh, I think the Irish FA put a tweet out of uh, a lovely little finish in training yeah, for him. Yeah, nice, nice little dink that was over yeah. the keep, wasn't it? Um, but, uh, no, it's a good experience for, for both lads and... Mm-hmm. You know, we keep forgetting that, you know, they are from bigger clubs, they are at a higher level than us. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with uh, Dewhurst, the, uh, what happens with the keeper situation, because obviously Magnus Norman was fit again to feature on the bench against Port Vale. Does Dewhurst now sit in the stands? Because we said this before, I don't think Sheffield United would be happy with that. No, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see come two o'clock on uh, Saturday, won't it? Yeah, interesting to see who, who, who's the one backing up, because clearly... Farman is number one at the moment. There's, there's yeah. no doubt in that. And uh, so. I, I think the penalty saves probably cemented that for the foreseeable. Absolutely. We'll talk a little bit about that later on, though. See, I think that sort of rounds up the international stuff. This is the big news, though, isn't it, this week? It happened the day after we recorded. Absolutely typical, this, isn't it? <laughs> um, it, it was nice of Project Big Picture to be a, a basically kibosh before we recorded yesterday. This is the Edinburgh Woolerman news, isn't it, Dan? It's, yeah. it's come as kind of come as a little bit of a shock but maybe not as a shock because there was sort of murmurings wasn't there that they were I th- struggling I think it came as a shock to Carlisle United yes because yeah no uh, was it only a couple of weeks previously that they'd sort of said that everything was fine and they were just carrying on uh, I don't think it's come as a massive shock when you look at how the group has performed uh, there's been murmurings about discontent from Bangladeshi suppliers due to the COVID situation and obviously the shops have all been shut etc so yeah I think their um, one of their chief executives and one of that was saying wasn't he that some of those rumours actually weren't very helpful to them it affected their credit balance or something like yeah, that I, can't it's, it's, deals, I think but... yeah it's the credit rating for uh, sorting out suppliers and all whatnot. yeah yeah so basically United's principal I don't know how you describe them, principal backers, financial supporters, something like that. Yeah. Edinburgh Willemill announced last week that they intend to go into administration or looking into it. Um, obviously, the biggest concern is for the 24,000 people whose jobs are at risk. That's that's way and above Carly United Football Club, let's be honest here. But yeah, yeah. it does affect the football club. There's, yeah. there's no getting away from that. So for those who don't know, and if you don't know, where have you been for the last couple of years? Um, so Carly United has got a loan facility basically hasn't it with Edinburgh Woolenmill similar to what they've had in the past with Fred Story and Story Construction and similar with Pioneer uh, Foods rather than having a bank it's a better facility and that we're not having to pay stupid interest on on loans and things like that so 
The club's got £2.1 million loan with EWM at the moment. That's interest-free. There's no regular payments that need to be made. I think at the moment, they, until they said administration, they would have to give us a year's notice, wouldn't they, if they wanted to recall that money to give us a chance to yeah, sort it out. Yeah. That was part of the agreement. There are charges against the club facilities, so Brunton Park, basically. There's almost guarantee for that loan. And there's also guarantees from the club's owners. Day does have, from what I can gather from the... I saw a, I think it was a Times article... Philip Day, the owner of the Edinburgh Bullermill Group, has some sort of first refusal, doesn't he, to having to buy it back, basically. Yeah. I'm, I'm no expert in city no, financial me, me matters. neither, me neither. <laughs> but from my basic understanding of the situation, parts of the group will be sort of pre-packed admin. Philip Day will have first bite at rebuying them at lesser, and obviously... Then he'd be renegotiating, sorry, renegotiating rents, etc., with yeah. shop landlords. But I, I, I think the key thing here is, when it comes to the administrators, a couple of million pounds to Carlisle United is not going to be at the top of their list. Possibly not, but then the administrators come in and one of their jobs is basically to find money wherever they can. Yes. But then, but then are they going to look at Carlisle United and think, okay, the current EFL problems with finance and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. That's not going to be an easy set of money to get the, back, that is it? Cause... I I think they'll certainly make a, a note of it because you know it's it's clear as day to see, but I think they'll be more obsessed with getting what they can for all the various parts of the business first. Yeah, yeah. And that that won't happen overnight. That'll take weeks and months. And I I think when it comes to Carlisle United, it would if they do need to call it in. I think they would be more than happy to accept a staggered payment because as long as they got it, yeah. they would be happy. So Yeah, it, it's interesting as well with this. Um, John Nixon did an extensive set of interviews on the club website over the last uh, few days, focusing mostly on Project Big Picture, but also there was one article, wasn't there, all about Edinburgh Woolamill. Yeah. And if you take Nixon in his word, and I know some people won't, that's fine. He doesn't seem overly concerned about it, does he? He seems to be saying, you know, if it comes to it and we had to do something, the club is in a position where it can. Now, we don't know what that means. Does that mean there's money in the bank that we can basically say, right, here you go, have it now? Or <laughs> are we going back to poor old Andrew Jenkins who doesn't seem to be able to shake off this debt for the club, does it? Uh, seems to always come back on his uh, poor shoulders. So not 100% certain what that means, but it does suggest that there's not a huge amount of concern from the club in terms of this news. No, and obviously it's it's well documented that we're due money from the likes of Branthwaite and Henderson still, you know, various yeah. clauses and that they're, they're not exactly small. They're, we're talking substantial amounts here, so, yeah. you know, if, if and when the time does come, when, I mean, EW, I don't think they're actually in administration yet, are they? No, just, they still haven't, they're just yeah, giving notice. they're still discussing, aren't they? So, I mean, it, it could not happen. I mean, it probably will, but, yeah. you know, if, if as and when the time comes, it does sound as though the club are sort of prepared for it, aren't they? And yeah. I, I don't think we'll see the club having to stump up £2 million overnight. I suppose the other question, Dan, is as well, obviously, over the old uh, succession thing, isn't it? Because that's something that Nixon did touch on, because the way he's sort of very coyly been talking about it over the last year or so is that something will happen in the near future where 
someone or someone involved with him and Willem Mill will effectively take control of the club. That's gone, from what he said, he, that's maybe the only area where there's a little bit of concern. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's so shrouded in secrecy, <laughs> we're, we're literally picking up breadcrumbs, aren't we? You know, yeah. there's, we, we can only take snippets from what we hear yeah. and throughout the whole EWM period, what we've heard is very little, so... Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So we've not really much else to add on that at the moment. It's a case of wait and see. Hopefully it'll be good news, not just for Kainai, but for those 24,000 people who are you know, relying on that as their <laughs> employment, basically. So yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully good news on that. Let's briefly then touch, let's end the news section briefly touching on a bit of League 2 news. First sacking of the season has happened, and it's not one we expected, is it, Dan? No, unbeaten in five games, but apparently <laughs> the style of play isn't easy on the eye to nobody who watches at the moment so well who is watching because yeah. <laughs> that'd be funny the fans aren't allowed to game so it's not like you know a handful of people on twitter can share their disquiet but yeah i'm, I'm always very wary about that yeah. based based on the way these things happen um so yeah graham alexander's been sacked by salford city um after those five games is it, i think is it Two wins and two three wins, draws. three draws. I've, yeah. There were they were 2-0 up on Saturday against Tranmere. Tranmere were depleted, weren't they? That's yeah, the Tranmere thing. scored two late goals to snatch a point. But that can happen in games. It's, it just happens. Yeah, it? At the start yeah. of the season, it, it seems very odd, especially the fact that the person who's taken over is Paul Scholes. Now, yeah. th- th- this contradicts things slightly from what was said when he took over at Oldham, doesn't it? Because there was a suggestion there. Was that, is there a conflict of interest there with his investment at Salford? But the Football League or the FA, I think it was, said, oh, no, no, there's no concern there. It's just a financial investment that he doesn't have any involvement in the day-to-day running. Well, here he is, caretaker manager. Well, Mm. I've read a piece that says he's literally doing it for a couple of weeks because uh, the person they want is actually isolating. And that person Mm. is a friend of ex-Carlisle manager Greg Abbott. It's... uh, Warren Joyce, who was in charge of, of course, yes. Man United youths teams when we were getting all the lawnies yeah. back at the. I think he's was he in charge of Wigan for a bit as well? Did he leave? Possibly, Man yeah. I know he's in. He was a whole City manager years back. Yeah, wasn't he? I yeah, that. yeah. That's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, he'll he'll know the the owners very very well, won't he? From yeah, his time at Old Trafford, and uh, yeah, there's there was a suggestion that uh, he was effectively. The manager waiting his uh, isolation. Why wait till these five games in the season if they're concerned? That's that's what yeah, baffles me. Yeah. I mean, just the way it is, though. That's modern football for you, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so that's news rounded up. So let's look back at uh, last weekend's uh, game against Port Vale. Um, an excellent win, this one, Dan. Really, we, me and you and Mike all predicted them to to go up this season. I'm pretty sure as in automatic. So. To get a, a one nil win and look pretty comfortable in that one nil win is decent stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, not, I think you actually predicted the results and the score, didn't you? Thank you, if thank I, you. I will, I will take yeah. uh, full credit for that one. I, I, to be I, fair, little caveat here. To be fair, I did say my prediction one nil win, and I said if Gav Riley starts, I think he'll score. If he doesn't, I think John Mellish. So yeah, uh, maybe technically not quite correct, but. I didn't put any money in it, much to my uh, disappointment, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure would have would a decent wedge at five pound on one nil with John Mellish to score first. But hey ho, yeah, yeah. 
But no, but no uh, a very good three points and another clean sheet. So we can't yeah, complain, that, can we? That, that's a big positive for me, isn't it? I mean, um, I, I saw some tweets and stuff from Port Vale fans that they were a bit puzzled by the team selection by their manager because they, they, like our fans, became a, a big fans of Luke Joyce and the work he does in midfield. And, you know, this level, he's a kind of player. I think most clubs, he'd be a first, one of the first choice picks, wouldn't he? Because he, yeah. of the solid job he does in midfield. They decided to start with two, I think, sort of more attack-minded midfielders, not really anyone holding in there. And as a result, with the strong physical midfield we've got, we took control of the game, didn't we? And Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a very strange one. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, talking about the midfield matching up, one of the things we've got listed here was uh, the work rate. And, you know, the mid the midfield especially were, were excellent last week. Uh Callum Guy has has got the most interceptions, hasn't he, in uh, the top four leagues yeah, so that far was a tweet this season? Came out stats, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's uh, you know it shows that they are getting the the, the kilometres in and yeah, well, they're working well, let, for it. Let, let, let's talk about that work rate first. We we, we were going to talk about um, Big John again, but we'll we'll leave that till second because we've we've given him a lot of talk in the last few weeks, haven't we? Uh, so yeah, work rate. You're, you're absolutely right, Dan. It's something that is standing out and. Chris Beach has always been keen to make a point, you know, the kilometres that are covered by his players. And that can be a little bit of a, a misleading thing at times, can it? Because it's all right saying, oh, you, you know, you cover all this ground, you do all this running. It's like, but if that running is not contributing anything or not doing anything for the team, all you're doing is burning energy that you shouldn't really need to burn, aren't you? So, yeah, yeah. So that, that's the thing. You've got to be very cautious about bigging up the fact that we cover loads of ground if it doesn't lead to anything. But... It is working for us at the moment. And like you say, Callum Guy, I think it was either 21 or 24, I can't remember which number it was, is the number of assists he's made in the opening fixtures. And that's the best in all the top four divisions. Um, interceptions, not interceptions. assists. Interceptions, not assists. <laughs> I was going to say, if we'd had that many assists, we'd be top well, of the league yeah, by we, about we, 15 we, goals. We certainly would be, wouldn't we? Uh, but yeah. Um, it was 21 with Nick Anderton yeah. on 16. Yeah, Nick, Nick Anderton like, in the top five as well. So it shows, you know, we, we're a team that anticipates stuff and we cover a lot of ground. And that, that that's a really big positive to take at the moment. We're, we're quite a workman-like team at the moment, aren't we? We've got a little bit of flair thrown in there, but we do the simple stuff quite well so far yeah. this season. And that that's a big positive. It, when you look back to when Stephen Presley was in charge, he wanted us to play a particular style, didn't he? He had this counter-pressing sort of thing. He was really obsessed with that. Sometimes just doing the simple stuff is... The basics, yeah. The basics get you a good base to work with. Yeah. And then you just throw in your flair plays like your Jimmy Torres in there, and that, that takes you up to the next level. So, yeah, that work rate definitely is a big positive thing. Thank you to whoever it was on the uh, Be Just and Fair Not Facebook group who put that forward as one of the things to discuss. Another thing to discuss, we both agreed on this anyway. It's got to be John again, isn't it? The, yeah, the South, uh, I'm going to keep pushing this to South Shields, Mateus. Four that, goals in a week. It, incredible, isn't it? The, the, the turnaround from that Scrumford game. He's just lifted himself. And I, I said it all along. A goal's going to give him a lift. A goal's going to give him confidence. And it, it's done just the job, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I mean, I know we, we sort of scoff at the trophy, but it was two goals. And then he got his, uh, he got the winner at Port Vale. And, you know, four goals in eight days. Fair play to the lad. Yeah, and it's not just the goals as well, to be fair on the lad. It, the way he played against Port Vale was much improved as well. He, he he seems to be starting to grow into that role. There's a couple of times, yeah, where he's turned and been caught or had to play a quick pass, but he's not the only player who's doing that. And I think, actually, he, he, he's done all right. You know, he, he, We weren't 100% sure if he should be starting every game at the moment, but 
If he's scoring goals and his confidence is growing, it's hard to see how you drop him at the moment, isn't it? Really? Yeah, you, it, it would be very harsh to drop a lad after uh, yeah. after the goals. So, no, it's, uh, the upturn in form's been welcomed by fans, and uh, long may it continue. Yeah. Uh, next point. Uh, this is one that was mentioned. I think again, me and you both agree, and this is one to discuss. Someone we're grown to be a fan of, uh, Gavin Riley, gets his first uh, league start, taking the chance with Coyote being out. I have to say his work rate was fantastic in this game, wasn't it? He really made a big difference up top, working hard and pressurising their defenders. Yeah, uh, properly played to his strengths on Saturday, I thought. And uh, obviously it was uh, his work that set up uh, the goal for Big John. And uh, no, uh, again, I I think it would be very harsh on Riley if he was dropped this week. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it, to see whether he he will play or not. Um, You can understand why Coyote might be brought back in. But I'd personally like to see him given a chance to, to start again. I think, he, he, like you said, he he probably only had maybe one or two chances himself to score. That was that one at the far post that I think in commentary, James Phillips thought it was a, an easy miss. But actually, when you look back at it, it's a fantastic block by, I think he was either the defender or the goalkeeper. Maybe he could have tried to take it first time instead of taking a touch. But he's got good awareness. He's, he's got quick feet as well and in the area to create the chance for Mellish as well to... Just a, it was just a really quick, sharp turn, wasn't it? That caught the defender out and got a chance to put the ball back across goal. And actually, the keeper saved it initially. And yeah, Mellish is yeah. there to bury the chance. So, yeah, I think he's one of those ones who... I think last season, the problem was we didn't really have backup options, did we, really? We were, no, we were very no. reliant on our first-choice options. And when, um, when, obviously, Beach came in, the backup was Olamola and Loft. And it was fairly obvious early on that he it just he just wasn't interested in them so and even before that Sorensen less said yeah, about him yeah. him the better I think. Um yeah. so yeah it shows that we have got other options this season and I think that's a, a a real bonus for us as well. I mean I listened to a couple of I've, I've listened to a couple of general League One League Two podcasts and they all talk about the fact that our forward line, our options, obviously Walker's now gone until the new year at least. But with Dickinson, Walker um and Riley behind you know, Patrick's Toure and Coyote, you've got six really good forward players there. And by all well, accounts... Did, did, you, did you mention Alessandra there as well? Well, Alessandra as well. Alessandra's another player. You, you forget about him because he, he probably plays a slightly deeper role and he, he not so much a, an attacker who's you know, in the, in getting in the box and getting chances, but he, he had a good game as well on, on, on Saturday. People asked us to talk about him and we will because fair play. We, a couple of games ago, me and you were saying, you know, he's not really finding his feet this season, but... Last few games, he's he's been a much improved player, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean the the two the two sort of highlights from last Saturday were his uh, his little flick, which left half a Portville oh, defence. Yeah, Alessandrino, <laughs> and uh, obviously it was him who who gave away the penalty. Uh, it was a bit of a was it a penalty? It's one of those ones he sort of turned you into. You can see it, why it was given, but. Yeah. For for me, it wasn't. But well, we're biased, aren't we? So of course we are. Of course we are. But but yeah, like I said, we've got options up top there now and back up as well. And even even Lewis Bell, you know, they clearly think very highly of him. And you'd imagine maybe with Walker going, if we can't get anyone in, he might actually get a couple of chances in the next two months or so. In the similar way that Brantwaite sort of came to the team around about this time last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, to be honest, rather than signing a player for the hell of it, I think I'd rather see Bell get his chances as a backup. But yeah, and we, um, also we've got the likes of uh, Charters and Dixon who are sort of hovering around the picture as well, you know. Exactly. And we better, as you say, we're better off 
mm. trusting in our younger players. Yeah. And well, we'll talk about these, these forward line bits as well, actually. We can sort of move on to one of the next points, which is about have we got a better system without Coyote in it, potentially? I mean, I think Coyote's likely to come back in either this game or the next, maybe. But we have shown that we've got a backup option this season and we've got players who can come in and we... Patrick's looking like he's going to miss a few games this season with this hamstring issue until it's sorted out. So, is, are we in a position now where teams are going to struggle to work out what we're going to do in games? Yeah, it, it, it's good to have options of a, a couple of sort of different systems and where mm. we play, up, especially up at the top end of the field. And, you know, it's 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 a nice sort of... It's a nice query for Beach to have, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and very quickly, well, clean sheets. Here's a real positive. So, Paul Farman has managed to get three clean sheets in his open five league appearances. It took Adam Collin 11 games to get to the same number last season. So, it does show there's a big improvement there at the back, doesn't it, Dan? I mean, yeah. it probably helps that there's a settled defence this season. I think that's making a big difference to Farman as well. Yeah. And the yeah. penalty save will have definitely given him a lot of confidence, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was evident in his uh, post match interview that the club put oh, out at the start. Mrs. Week, is giving it? him jip, wasn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, definitely a, a real positive there. I think Farman's starting to settle in. And I mean, there's no doubt he's the first choice keeper at the moment. And it's up to Norman and Dewars to. You know, if they do get a chance to take it, but I yeah, can't see yeah. there's been any changes there in the near future. So yeah, I think that's covered last week's game. As we said, good three points. Pretty happy with that. That's the end of part one. Dan will be back in a, a few moments' time to discuss this weekend's game against Colchester at Brunton Park. Okay, welcome back everyone. We're into part two now and it's time to look ahead to this weekend's game against the Essex boys of Colchester. Um, not been able to get too many interesting facts this week, Dan. We've been in a bit, a bit of a rush to get the recording. So uh, here's a couple for you. The U's were formed in 1937 and elected into the Football League in 1950. They were relegated back out in 1990s the conference, but were promoted back just two years later in 1992. They uh, spent most of their time sort of bouncing between League 2 and League 1, bar a few years in the Championship other than that. Interesting club, aren't they? Because I think they're owned by uh, the guy who owns JobServe, aren't they? Um, the job search website. Um, yeah. Or the job site. One of the two, anyway. He's pumped a lot of money into them, hasn't he? He got them to the championship for those few years and built a new ground for them. But he's trying to make them a bit more self-sustained, isn't he? So um, we felt they might struggle a bit because they hadn't had much transfer activity. But actually, they started the season not too badly, haven't they, Dan? Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, they were doing well last season, but they were... They were one of the first teams to sort of react to the whole coronavirus thing and, you know, they put some of their better players sort of out to grass very early on. Yeah. But uh, they've had a steadyish start. I'm just looking. They've drawn the last two uh, away at Walsall and home to Oldham. Yeah. In fact, they've, they've drawn four out of five. Well, yeah, they're unbeaten in the league. But they've only won one of them. That, that's the key thing. Out of those opening five games, they've just won one, drawn four. They just yeah, don't seem uh, to be able to finish teams off, do they? Yeah, uh, they've obviously... It doesn't look like they've done much in the Cups. Uh, well, they, they were knocked out by Reading in the first round, 3-1. Yeah, the and Cup. then Portsmouth and West Ham 
kids beat them in uh, the trophy, so they'll, they'll be out of that already. But uh, no, they, they look uh, look a very sort of solid, hard to break down team, and yeah. it, it could be another one that could be quite a bit of a war of attrition, you know. Yeah, well, they're currently in 11th place, uh, one point and three places behind United. But it is, of course, early days. We always say this at this stage. They actually replaced their manager this summer, uh, despite making the playoffs, uh, John McGreal. He had a pretty decent record with them, didn't he? I think it's like 37% win record, something like that, over the yeah, yeah. four or five seasons he was in charge. Um, but they've done what they always do, don't they, at Colchester? They've promoted from within. So his assistant manager, Steve Ball, he's a former player of the club, uh, it's his first management job at a league level. I think he's managed. I mean, I've got them up here. Let me just get them up a sec. The clubs he's managed: Stanway Rovers, Clacton Town, Leyston, and Malden and Tiptree. Basically, a a little uh, tour of Essex non-league clubs, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. He's not done much at a high level, but he has for the last four years been assistant manager to McGreal at Colchester. So you'll know that squad. That That's a positive for them. And It'll have been pe- an easy transition, won't it? It'll have been an easy transition because they, they do this. They they tend to promote from within at Colchester. So he'll have probably known over the last few years there's a good chance I'm going to be getting the management yeah, job yeah. there. So no massive surprise there. Like you said, he's had a fairly solid start. In terms of transfer activity, they've been very quiet over the summer, haven't they? We've very, said very it before. Yeah. Um, the, the two that stand out is... Uh, I hope I've pronounced this right. Joshua Bahui, who was signed from NEC Breda in um, Holland, one of your uh, teams that you like to keep an eye out on for, don't you, Dan, in the past? Yeah, um, uh, stayed there for Euro 2000. Yeah. Um, and Tommy Smith from Sunland is a decent signing for them. But bar that, the only other activity is, uh, is one of the ex-Cal United players, well, the only ex-Cal United player in the squad. <laughs> and there, there was there was eyebrows when, when this happened, wasn't yes, there? Yes, Shamal George, who's never really quite done it at Liverpool, didn't do it for us on loan, let's say the least, and spent last season a chunk of it on loan at Marine, at Workington's level, didn't he? So, uh, I think he's gone there, he's back up there, isn't he? I think their first choice is Dean Gherkin, is it, I think? Possibly. Uh, I'm just, sorry, I'm just loading there. it up here. Yeah, Dean Gherkin is their first choice keeper. He's experienced head, he's been around the block for many years, hasn't he? So, yeah, George has played the two uh, trophy games. Yeah, so I mean... Like I said, looking at their squad, I mean, not a lot of experience in there, but they they they're going to be relying heavily on Harry Pell, aren't they? Uh, the player we all love to hate at Cali United. Yeah, definitely, and, definitely. Uh, Gobby, uh, Gobby Laddie is, um, but they do also tend to rely on promoting young players, don't they, and selling them on eventually, similar to what we are trying to do over the last few years. But they rely on it more heavily than we do, don't they? They've got a big yeah. under twenty three squad. Yeah, I'm just looking. When you look at a history of a lot, a lot of the players have sort of come through the ranks. You know, you can tell that by the uh, the uh, squad numbers. Uh, one one little interesting fact: uh, midfielder Luke Gambin has actually been on Nations League duty this week uh, for he, Malta. He was in Malta, I thought he was. Yeah, and uh, he was in their historic one nil win in Latvia uh, yesterday. Wow. So. He should That's get a boost from that. So obviously he'll be returning for their squad. That's a bit of team news for them ahead of uh, the next bit. So let's move quickly on then to uh, team news for us, Dan. Both Coyote and Dewhurst return from international duty. That's the first uh, big positive. Toure yeah. played last weekend. Looks all right. So that's good news as well. Yeah, um, no sightings in Asda this week. He, he must be listening to us and thinking, I'm going yeah, to have to avoid that, that creepy geese following yeah, around. He's, he's, he's probably going to Tesco on Warwick Road instead <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, just to avoid you. Um, 
Dean Furman was on the bench as well last week again, wasn't he? So that's a, another good positive. Whether he comes back in or not is the question, isn't it? Because I suppose yeah. you'd want an experienced head like him in there, but does Joe Riley deserve a chance maybe to keep his the place old, in the team? The old saying, do you change a winning team? Probably not, no. Injury news-wise, obviously Walker, we've mentioned him out for the new year. Similar for Brendan Dickinson, we understand at the end of December he'll be back. Mary Patrick still maybe a couple of weeks off, um, and same for Josh Dixon, who's just building up his fitness and just needs maybe a, a couple of bounce games, really, doesn't he, to yeah, give yeah. him a chance to get himself back. And I think that's it for our team, isn't it? So it'll be interesting to see whether yeah, they we've, change. We've, we've also had a look for Colchester team news, and there's very little. Yeah. They, they, they don't seem very active on the the website and social media. I yeah. assume they'll probably be doing a press conference down there today. Yeah. Well, I mean, but a quick look at transfer mark suggests that Ryan Clamp- Clamping is uh, out injured, as is Diaz Wright. I'm not sure whether he's a player they've had for a while now. And by that, that's the only two real injury doubts for them, I think. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. Obviously, you mentioned Luke Gambin returning from international duty, so that'll be a bit of a, a boost for them. Uh, quickly, sorry, Dan, then, uh, predictions for this uh, weekend. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I can see this being a draw. I can see it being a tight game, so I'm going to go for the traditional (laughs) one-all. I just never want to tip us to lose, that's all it is. (laughs) Goal scorer? Uh, We'll go with Gimme. Gimme, okay. He's not scored since that game against Fleetwood, has he? But he's he's been creating a lot, hasn't he? Um, You know what, I'm going to go positive. I think we're going to win 3-1. I think we're nice and comfortable. I think we're going to express ourselves a little bit. I reckon... Gav Riley's going to get a brace. And you know what? Can't, can't, can't stop a man in form, can you? Yeah. yeah. Big John, he's going to yeah. get another, I think, John Millish for another goal. So that's yeah. my prediction, 3-1. Um, I might put some money on it this time, actually. <laughs> but put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. Um, so that's predictions. Quickly, Dan, then, let's, because I know you've got to get away. Let's go through the ex United news. And we're going to give him there's his one, fi- there's one, there's one main talk. We're going to give him his fi- final mention for a while, hopefully. Jamie Devitt. Now, I don't think this has been confirmed yet, has it? I think we're it hasn't waiting. been confirmed, but all the right people are reporting on well, it on well, Twitter. Big, big PTO Roke. I know yeah. he's if you if you want to get your transfer rumours on on point, go to him. Don't go to your what's his name Nixon yeah. thing because you know a lot of stuff he says turns out to be guff. To be yeah. honest, but no, Jamie, Jamie Devitt landing at Newport on loan yes. seemingly, which is. Yes. Uh, Quite out of the blue, wasn't it? You know, I out mean, of the blue. I do wonder if maybe there's a bit of a Kevin Ellison influence down there. Maybe possibly, possibly. Tipped off the manager and said, you know, if you need someone, because yeah, he's the kind of play- person that the manager will lean on, isn't he? And say, look, yeah. you know, who, who out there you know that's available, you can go for. And he, he will know who Jamie Devitt is, but he might say, you know, he's a good character, get him yeah, in, he's you know, a good lad, etc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's lucky in the sense that there's no rugby being played on that pitch at the moment because I'm not sure Devitt would particularly enjoy playing on no, a no. pitch that's a pudding field kind of player he is. But yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a decent move for him probably, I'd, I'd say. I think I think it's a better move than going to Barrow because Barrow fans were getting excited last weekend thinking he was yeah, coming there. Uh, so. uh, David Dunn seemed to suggest that uh, Barrow were interested. I know I said last week that Oldham had definitely approached him. Obviously, yeah. nothing's came of that. They're a basket and case, aren't they? There was, there was also a rumour that Morecambe were possibly sniffing, mm. but uh, I would say it's probably out of their price range. Well, the Morecambe don't need him flying at the top well, of the league. Well, no, true, true. Bit of a surprise, that one, isn't it? After the opening yeah, day, yeah. so fair play to them. Um, 
So yeah, so Debit's going to Newport by the looks of things, so good luck to the lad. Briefly, actually, while we're talking about Barrow, just quickly cover this. Interestingly, they've just moved to a new training ground, haven't they? It looks like it's Macclesfield old training ground. They've moved from a base in Rochdale to Nutsford. They're now 104 miles away from Holker Street for their training ground. That's in, it's like us training, basically, at um, oh, Warrington, Warrington <laughs> yeah. or Wigan. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? But yeah. yeah, interesting one. So yeah, there's, there's a couple of uh, ones here now. So there's non-league ones. I've mentioned Macclesfield there. Carlos Rocker, there's a name from the past. He's just been announced as the new director of football at Macclesfield. Obviously, that'll be starting next season. They're looking to join the Northwest Counties. They've been saved. A local businessman has bought all their assets, and he's got Robbie Savage on board. And Robbie Savage clearly must live quite locally. I think, yeah, I think I think he said he lives up the road, basically. Yeah, it'd be Wilmsley, where that's yeah, where generally yeah. where footballers live these days. Um, so he's turned up there. Not someone you would have expected to be in that sort of role, is it? Really, <laughs> he was uh, no, not that kind of player. But yeah, fair play to the lad, you know, involved in. Hopefully, he can get Macclesfield back up the the leagues because it's a real shame what's happened there. Um, they can hopefully build a sustainable community club going forward. And the last one, we missed this a couple of weeks ago. Well, I was going to mention it last week, but I completely forgot. Tom Miller, he's turned up at Radcliffe. It's not Radcliffe Borough, sorry. I was going to say Radcliffe Borough, but they're called Radcliffe these days. Yeah, he's turned up at Radcliffe, which is at Workington's level. It's quite a drop for him, isn't it? Because he was at it Berry is, not long ago, isn't really it? It's a bit of a surprise. Uh, he was at Berry, then he sort of disappeared. He landed up at Fylde. Mm. Uh, and then the season was obviously curtailed. And now he's landed at uh, Radcliffe. Yeah, I think he might be doing some sort of personal training or something like that. Yeah, on the side, yeah. isn't it? And this is just to tide him over, I suppose. Yeah. And, and to be fair, he's going to be at one of the few levels you can actually see fans. Against, yeah, so indeed, indeed. I'm sure he'll be enjoying that. But I actually saw Radcliffe in pre-season against Prescott Cables and they they were not a bad little side, actually. A couple of decent little plays in there. So, you know, he'll be, to be fair, if he's, if he's anywhere sort of the level he was at Carlisle, he'll be the, probably the best player of that club. Yeah, if I'm honest yeah, there. So, yeah, yeah it just been to see how much he's dropped. Yeah. And that's it for this week, Dan. Thanks once yeah. again for joining me. Uh, really no appreciate that. I'm hoping to speak to John Coleman. He was looking to do it today, but with all the things that have happened, it's probably going to be difficult to fit it in. So, hopefully, get to speak to him next week and get that uh, Bolt from the Blue special about his new book uh, out. Um, and and we, we haven't forgot the kit one. We just no. thought it was important to do the uh, sort of Premier League EFL yeah, one this exactly, week. Exactly, so. exactly that. So we'll hopefully get that done some point next week and out in the next few weeks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it. So uh, if you've got any comments or feedback or there's anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, please send them in via Twitter to at Bruntabugle or by email to Bruntabugle at gmail.com. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, including Acast. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Please do give us a review if you get the chance. Uh, we do really appreciate the feedback we've had so far. It's, it's been fantastic, really, to hear you all say how much you're enjoying it. Now, let me look and see if I can find quickly, before you go, Dan, if there's any new countries on the list. Looking at it, doesn't look like there is. It's the usual uh, ones, your Norway, your Vietnams, uh, Sweden, people like that. Oh, we've got Portugal! There's a new one for you. And yeah, that'll be almost certainly going to be someone on hold there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I would have thought so. If I have a quick look actually at Portugal, where's the place that it's uh, someone's listening? It's going to be the Algarve, isn't it? Oh, no, it's not. It's uh, Castelo de Paiva, which is quite north in the country, actually. So if you, if you happen to be a Portuguese Carlisle fan, get in touch with us and let, you, let us know what you think. I don't think we've ever had a Portuguese player play for Carlisle, have we? Off the top of my head, no. 
Yeah, one of the few countries in Europe that we haven't. Yeah. And there you go. Okay, Dan, that'll do for this week. Thanks uh, again, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with a couple of specials and also the regular episode. Cheers and up the blues. Up the blues. <laughs>